The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Also realize I might have hit that switch just a second earlier, but that's all right. You won't notice that in post. I am your host, Roddy Cat. Hey, it's bars. Um, I am your host, Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And those sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Now, sleep to Brooklyn! For some strange reason, I thought you was going to go with, Hello, Brooklyn! I could still. <laughs> I mean, go for it, if you're feeling it. But I want old reliable. Yeah, you know, it's always a good one. It's always a good one. Uh, yeah, we are here in the Comic Book Chronicles, and you can find this here, Comic Book Chronicles podcast, at the Coast of the Podcast Network, that's cspn.us. Do it today. You could also find this podcast on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Um... You could also call, uh, I was going to say something else about that, but uh, we'll get to that probably later if I remember it. But you can also find us recording live every Thursday night, nine, most of the times, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on either the Coast of the Podcast Networks, uh, nope, well, no, 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 no. You can also find us on, um, recording live on the Click Nation's YouTube channel that's the click that's youtube.com slash the click nation that's the K L I Q N A T I O N also all over one word or twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles all one word it is uh I am sleepy folks and I just woke up how does that how does that math go out you'll never know uh, but we're going to get swiftly into the comic books of the week, starting off with Heroes Reborn number three. Heroes Reborn number three is written by Jason Aaron with pencils by both Federico Vicentini and Ed McGuinness with inks by Mark Morales, colors by Matt Miller and Matthew Wilson and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is the third installment of the Heroes Reborn limited series. 
Avengers event. I think that's the best way to 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 uh, to put it and to name it because, um, as I was saying to Rodicat just before we started recording, I caught up with Jason Aaron uh, Aaron's uh, interview by um, uh, by. Uh, John Suntress over at the Word Balloon podcast and how Jason Aaron described this is this event is um, basically a bunch of uh, connected one shots that that highlight uh, various members of the Squadron Supreme of America now in this alternate reality where the Avengers uh, never uh, came to be. And so uh, this third issue highlights the uh, Flash, uh, 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 the analogous character, um, uh, in this case, the character is named Blur. Right. And uh, lots of super speed stuff, lots of, um, uh, again, connections to one uh, Flash character over at the Distinguished Competition, including riffs on uh, Gorilla Grodd. Did you notice yes, that? I did see that. I was like, wow, they're really biting Flash real hard on this. They're, to- they're totally making, they're, they're totally, you know, adapting uh, that. And, um, you know, I got a kick out of, uh, out of seeing that. And um, we actually uh, also get uh, a connection between this blur character and, uh, or, or uh, I, I guess a a cross pollination of origins or, or cross adaptations because we also get a little bit of Doctor Strange thrown in there. Yes, which really, which at that point, it, well, even before that point, like even when it when the when it first started, it, it kind of weirdly reminded me of like, okay, this is the Flash, is if. The Flash was Guy Gardner, but with a little bit of uh, Doctor Strange's origin tied to it, which is weird. I didn't necessarily see Guy Gardner, but I, I, I'm starting to understand that. I, yeah, I you know, I, I think too. that's close. Yeah, I think that's close. Although I definitely got a kick out of uh, wondering whether or not you know Barry Allen, Wally West, or. Um, any of the other flashes ever think along these lines? Like I don't know how many, you know. Like I, I, I watch so much TV because I can just absorb it all. Right. I got a kick out of that. That was pretty funny. True. When it start, when it got to that point, I was like, okay, I could see it. Like it was weirdly slightly annoying, but also I could like, you know what? If you had super speed, yeah, that's probably would be how you um, how, how you would think, you know. Because like you could you could you're as fast as you know as thought, so therefore it's like you know you're you're kind of got you basically got an, uh, a, a a version of super ADD, right? So it makes right. it, it makes total sense. Right. So as I said earlier, we are three issues into this uh, series of one shots that number seven in total because the eighth issue of this event is Heroes Return. So. Um, we we're still, how, we still have, what's that? I was about to say, and we still don't know how this quote unquote started. I was, you know what I was going to say is, uh, lead that leads us into our backup story mm-hmm. or our secondary story in this book, which focuses on, um, what happened to the, uh, new host of the Phoenix force. That is echo, uh, Maya Lopez. And we see where she is, uh, uh, 
in the Squadron Supreme of America reality and, you know, what she's thinking and now what, um, to what extent uh, the uh, Avengers have started to reassemble in this uh, reality. And it's kind of fun to see that, um, you know, of course it, it does all start with uh, Cap, but it ha- but the but the catalyst of it, it you know is of course blade we all know that from the first issue right but now they're slowly starting to um uh, uh reassemble and one thing that i know Roddy Cap picked up on is something that Maya Lopez was thinking to herself which is whether or not the power that she wields is responsible for everything that has happened. Right. Yeah, because even she even has a little, little bourbon on thought, uh, in her thoughts that said, like, she doesn't even know how she got, you know, she doesn't even know what happened, which is pretty much a nod to, like, yeah, neither do the audience. Or, and not wanting to give away, apparently, whatever the catalyst may be, wherever it shows up, more likely the Avengers, um, you know, where, where it all starts. It's just mm-hmm. still weird, though, the fact that it, almost in like a future state type fashion, like, OK, we're getting the story. But now in certain books, we're getting what the catalyst was for it. W- well, after the fact. Or it will be well after the fact, uh, I guess, by the time it happens, uh, we assumably, assumably. Right, right. We're definitely getting the uncovering of the mystery as opposed to seeing something happen and then dealing with the after effects. Right. So I'm actually having fun with this. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm enjoying uh, uh, some of the uh, examinations of these squadron characters. Right. And and if anybody has been reading The Avengers for any length of time, specifically with this volume, uh, folks, and we've said this before, that Jason Aaron has a whole, whole bunch of seeds that he's been wanting to, uh, that he's pretty much either dealt with already or is still dealing with. And this whole Squadron Supreme thing is something that he's pretty much had, you know, since he's gotten a volume. Cause like I said, a lot of stuff has kind of been telegraphed by that, by that stuff. The, the Moonlight right. stuff he's already taken care of. We don't know what's going to happen with the Mephisto stuff. Uh, I think there's some, still some 1 million BC stuff that's probably still on. The only thing that would that would ruin this is they try to they try to uh, they tie this into the one million BC stuff, which I very much doubt they'll do. But I'm just saying, I think it's all connected. I think the Mephisto and the, the one million BC stuff is actually connected. Oh, that so definitely think, is true. Right. So I think all of that might tie together into what happened here. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'm looking for honestly. I am not. You know, I, I maybe I needed to hear it from Jason Aaron as to what the layout of this series is going to be, how these are uh, basically interconnected one-shots with that backup story kind of tying together how things, how the Avengers are starting to uh, put things together and to hopefully, you know, uh, uh, restore, you know, the reality that we know. Right. So uh, knowing, I guess, you know, now, you know, when I listened to it, I was two issues in, now I'm three issues in. And I think it it, it, it serves to reassure me. Hmm. Okay. Of how this pro, of how this uh, series is going to go, was that you know to get more comfortable with all right these one shots are interrelated. You know we're getting this a character study of these of this new version of the Squadron Supreme. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Right, because and the reason why I brought up the whole Jason Aaron thing and what he was trying to do with Avengers was because you know the fact that it's come up now, and for some reason we were thinking, or at least I was thinking, that it was going to be something just in the main book that like yeah, they're going to be dealing with this squadron, and that still could hold true. Uh, right. In, in fact, still could very well be the catalyst, you know, that we think that he, this uh, new iteration of Heroes Born is. Uh, but we're just getting this out of the way before that happens, and then it's like, well, here you go, it'll, it'll be all out of the way, and then who knows what's going to happen after that, honestly. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting read. Like I said, oh, and there hasn't, there wasn't any other. Um, uh, uh, side books this week were there? I don't think I've ever seen anything. Like there are no tie-in books. I think there was supposed to be one, which uh, PC and underscore dirt. Oh, that's what he was talking uh, about. Uh, mentioned, right? And uh, I guess it's just a week late because it is solicited. It is solicited now for next week. Mm. So uh, this week, I'm just going to double check with the uh, comic list. Yeah, I didn't see anything. Because I did not, because I only pulled of the Heroes Reborn tie-in one shots. I personally pulled the, um, the 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 Peter Parker Shutterbug, which came out last week. Right. And I what? don't know. The only book that came out this week was the main miniseries. So. Uh, next week is, I think, a bunch of the tie-in one-shots. Mm. Oh, yeah, that was I'm also just, that one uh, Hyperion book from last week, too, but I don't think either one of us read that. Right. Right, right, right. The, the Hyperion book did come out last week. Let me just pull up next week's books and... Um, Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Get them, doggy. Scrolling. All right. Um, I definitely know that that Magneto book is out next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heroes Reborn Magneto and the Mutant Force number one is out next week. Heroes Reborn Siege Society is out next week. Number one. Heroes Reborn Young Squadron number one is out next week. So that's three tie-ins. Okay. In addition to the regular Heroes Reborn miniseries book that are out next week. Well, I guess the, the, we can think, be thankful for the fact that it's all coming out swiftly, I guess. Yeah. Even it's all over the course of two months. Right. And, uh, you know, it's it's in place of uh, the Avengers book and some of the uh, member Avengers solo books. Like, I don't think Iron Man is out this month right. because of Heroes Reborn. And I think Cap is just wrapping up because uh, Coates is wrapping up his run. Right. It's still, but it's still kind of weird though, because it's like, okay, there's no. And I think Thor is also on a break too this month. Who? Which one? Thor. Thor. Yeah. I think. Right. Yeah, like I said, it's still like what we're used to is like when the Heroes Reborn happened, and we've said this before, originally happened. um, The same thing pretty much happened, except for the lines, the line myself. Well, the the books that pretty much were. uh, which was, I guess, most of the line at the time, now that I think about it, uh, were just gone. But it was after the catalyst had happened, then they... Which was Onslaught, right. Right, which was Onslaught, and then it went on speaking into these new books. Speaking of Onslaught... Oh, what happened? <laughs> I said, speaking of Onslaught... Oh, dear. Wait, where was Onslaught? Oh, no, did I just spoil something? Man, I did not see what you read. Okay. Wait, what did you read that brought up Onslaught? <laughs> Shh. 
And now I'm scared. <sighs> well, anyway, yeah, that's, that's a, a spoiler regardless. alert, folks. I did not mean to do that. Right, that's um, fine, because I don't know if I would have read it even if I had known. Um, right. Oh, but in any event, I guess we can move on to the next book if you if there's nothing else to discuss right. on Resident yeah. Born number three. The only thing I was going to say was like, you know, because of the way that it initially happened, you, I guess I still kind of had an expectation that it was going to be something like that, which it, it, obviously it is not because, like I said, the way we get in this is a little different. Uh, yes, much more of a mystery than... Uh, you know, cattle, you know, uh, event that's the catalyst, and then we see the after effect. So, right. So, it's just like I'm curious of the decision behind that. I, I guess that, yeah, that's the, a the, remix, <laughs> I suppose. I suppose, but regardless, it's a yeah. spelling choice, yeah. I guess, I guess, but I don't know. Like I said, the same with future state because, like I said, we're getting future state books that are pretty much before future state, but future state has already happened. <laughs> so it's like why are we why what's the point now but anyway uh we're going to move on to the next book which is uh new number one for the week shang chi number one yes it's written by Jean luen yang with art by dk ruan colors by triona farrell and letters by vc's travis lanham take it away so I enjoyed this book. I, the, just to, just to go ahead and get that part out of the way. Um, so this takes place after the the um, the last mini series, which is not that far from uh, being out. And in fact, it was only what uh, about a month ago? Probably. Two months ago. Was it a couple? Two months, months ago? ago. Last month we did, two months ago. I think last month was a one shot. Hmm. Right. But regardless, there we go. Um, wait, so this, so Shang-Chi, uh, Shang-Chi is uh, in his new position as the lead of the Five Weapons Society, which still reminds me of a book from another company of that same name um, that has nothing to do with him, which was also a good read, by the way, but just beside the point. Uh, and he and his sister Dagger are kind of out um, on a mission. And of course, they run into your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and Shang-Chi is like, shush, 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 shush on the Supreme Commander stuff. Shush, shush. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to keep that on the wraps because he doesn't want his superhero friends to know, you know, that he's uh, he's got a new, he got a new job. <laughs> that he's kind of embarrassed to have. But, um, right. so the, while the cover, well, I, I got this, the, the covers are going to be probably kind of misleading. Unless something actually ends up happening, I, I will say that. But the cover to this uh, issue, if you're watching the video, you can see it. Slightly misleading. The cover, right? The main, that's the main cover. Right. By um, Lano, you actually picked up this week, I, I got the Michael Cho variant. Oh, nice. Which is pretty cool. And um, uh, you know what it does. What, what the what the Michael Cho cover does is obviously highlight the uh, the guest star in this book in this issue, which is right. Spider Man. Put that back up. There we go. So get, people can get a good close up look of it. Yeah, that looks good. I like that. It is. It's nice. Yeah. But um, super. All right. Cool. But yeah. Um. So yeah, they run into Spider Man and Shang Chi's like, uh, hey, you know, you know. 
X-Nay the Super Uzi Bring. Yeah, X-Nay on the Amanda K. Exactly. Eve, Ivey, Eppin's Way, Society Say. If we're going to take the pig Latin all the way, right? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, of course, this is. I don't want to say the obligatory uh, Spidey um, Spidey cameo, but you know, hey, every now and then it still happens with certain books. Let's face it, and also totally made me forget about Spider the Spider Island happened and that they did interact previously to now. Outside, do you know what year that was? Huh? Do you know what year that was? I had to look. I wanted to look. Like I know that I have that issue it was a free comic day issue i know i have it in my collection i did not want to go down to the archives mm-hmm. my collection and I'll, pull it out i pulled it up on marvel unlimited you know what year it said it was uh 2011 correct mm-hmm. holy crap that was 10 years ago <laughs> feels like yesterday because i knew it was around spider-verse and stuff like that but i knew it was like you know spider Island happened nothing before that so it was like and i remember 20, 2011 was kind of, kind of a thing i had actually didn't even read it i hadn't even still hadn't read spider Island, but i do remember it being brought up that their interaction got brought up at some point unreal 10 years ago my mm-hmm. goodness so, so I guess it kind of makes sense if that was if that was um, plotted to have happened, you know, like hey, she's right. got a new book. It's ten years from the other from the last time they, um, I guess, may have may or may not have interacted uh, with each other. Uh, well, my guess is that they probably interacted when they were both on like active Avengers. I thought about that too, but I don't know. I don't know. Oh no! Like I was saying, may have right. You know, I mean, I'm it's possible, using that. I'm just throwing that out there. As when you know, like the Avengers roster was was, was expanded to such an extent, right? So but world, but I, don't I have a Spider-Man feeling. I have a feeling that no, I have a feeling that when the Avengers roster expanded, I think Otto was in charge of the body. I think it was during Superior Spider-Man, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think Spider-Man was on the roster when Shang Chi was on on at that particular. Well. Let me phrase that in the beginning, because you remember, because the Hickman run, that's when Shang Chi kind of came through, and and uh, right. but Spider Man wasn't Which, around then. On the no, Avengers. Spidey, it was it was it was Otto, because okay. there's images of the Superior Spider Man costume. But I thought that um, was later. What's that? I thought that was later, though. Mm, I think it was. I, I think uh, the the whole um, training for Spider Island is uh, before. Um, Auto taking over, right? And I think that, and then the Avengers stuff is happening right around that same time. So that's when Avengers so World is on the Avengers. But I think when they would have interacted, you know, during that the, the height of the Hickman uh, mumbo jumbo and and the expanding of the rosters, I think uh, it was superior. I'm pretty sure. Mm. It's you know it's all a blur um, at this point. I I I'm thinking differently but it is i'm sure we'll find out when we'll we can go back into the to the uh to the colors and find out oh, archives. exactly exactly yeah. well you will, we will consult our our handy dandy marvel unlimited because exactly. nobody's trying to dig into their uh back issues just yet not right now but until then yeah so basically the um you know the the team the, you know like i said the um you know there was a, the recollection of spider island and then there was a, you know like i said shang chi trying to kind of keep things hush hush while trying to get spider-man away from the scene even though they have coincidentally um uh intertwining cases that they were working on 
uh, that just so happened to be that just so happened to be pretty much the catalyst that uh, in uh, that ends up um, where Spidey finds out that uh, spoiler alert, you know, um, uh, Shang Chi Shang Chi is uh, now head of the Five uh, Weapons Society, which apparently he knew about, which from his uh, last thing. So here's my thought. My only thought about this is like, listen, I enjoyed it, and I. This thing is really giving me shades of armor wars or armor wars. Um because of what of revelation that I won't spoil in here. Um but yeah, this, it just kind of feels like hey, Shang-Chi Shang-Chi Shang-Chi's going on his own armor wars in a way. Now, where it puts him with the rest of the Marvel universe, I guess we'll find out. Like this book they they're setting up this book as as is He's going up against, um, you know, the 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 universe. Mm-hmm. We can pretty much see that. Yeah, he's, he is definitely going to start inter- interacting with uh, folks at large. I got a strange feeling there will be an intervention of some sort at times because if we know anything about s- something like this that happens, you know, the you know people are gonna people are like Spidey and we see Cap is going to be in the next issue and probably whoever else comes up. Uh, in the next two issues, probably going to get together and be like, uh, hey, something's going on with Shang-Chi, and then, they, then there's going to be confrontation, you know. Uh, right, that's what this appears to be developing towards, because, you know, much like uh, Michael Corleone, he wasn't fully able to, uh, he, he probably won't be fully able to reform the criminal organization. Right. So... And he doesn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't seem like he wants to do it for that reason. You know, he's trying to make it into something. Oh, according to what he's saying, trying to make it into something different. Right. So we'll see. Well, I'm just, not to make, you know, references to Godfather 3 because I try to remember that that doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, that's that's essentially, you know, it, that's essentially what... You know that, that's essentially what, what, what Shang-Chi is doing, just trying to reform the Five Weapon Society and, and turn Zhengzhou, uh, you know, aka old school Fu Manchu, mm-hmm. um, you know, that organization, trying to turn it into something positive. Right. So will it be uh, will it be the hand or will it be another aim? <laughs> is it Uchiwale or one mic? I don't know, <laughs> but we will find we'll out. Yes. We'll see, but yeah, no, it's, it's off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for it's real. a potential click of the week for me. So yeah, same here, same here. So that being the case, we can push on to something else. Wheel of comic books, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the comic that we should review. <laughs> okay. The Trials of Ultraman, number three. So that is my book. Um, whoops. I'll, pull, I'll keep that right there for a second. And yep, and zoop. So Trials of Ultraman, number three. Uh, written by Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom. Art by Francesco Mana. Uh, while I pull up the card, there we go. Uh, cover, you know, excuse me, color artist, uh, Espen Grudinger. Uh, uh, my apologies, my apologies for messing that, uh, your name up. 
and lettering by VCs Ariana Mayer, which I just realized that I don't think uh, DC puts the VC <laughs> put the VC part on some of those because I've noticed that I'm like I saw I know Clayton Cowles is in a, is a, is, a, is also a part of VC. They might be doing this freelance as opposed to being part of Visual Comic Craft. Mm, that could also that, be the case. Because I think Visual Comic Craft may have a contract with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Which would so. make sense, right. And that's why I was like, it's like I noticed that on a, on a, on a DC book that I read um, this week. And I was like, huh, maybe that was the case, like you say. So anyway, um, after the events of last, uh, uh, last issue... Um, uh, Shin and Ultraman were still in Ultraman form, and they were pretty much getting rid of the uh, the decidedly mecha kaiju that's not necessarily uh, Godzilla, but kind of, sort of, um, that somebody apparently made, uh, which turns this story with this particular issue into, um, or at least in part, Godzilla versus Kong, because after that happens and they rescue Dan Moore, uh, uh, Morobashi, who was a, a former Ultraman, and they, they try to question him to see where he's been the last 15, six, uh, 56 years, which means he is now this ver- or, or world version of uh, Captain America, or not Captain America, but uh, Steve Rogers, because uh, he apparently doesn't have his Ultraman powers uh, and no memories of actually even having them. So they try to, um, they try to uh, um, interrogate this, not interrogate, but they try to question him on it, and he's like, uh, look, I hadn't you know, uh, I haven't been around for 56 years and this U- new USP, uh, you know, is supposed to be a kinder, gentler one and you expect me to just trust, which doesn't happen, you know, he and he wants to talk to Ultraman for some odd reason, maybe that's going to happen, but doesn't happen in this, in this episode until they push off and uh, try to figure out who was the person or persons um, responsible for the, the uh, Mecha Kaiju that uh, attacked last issue and uh, which all roads lead to another former uh, USP uh, member who is um, who is uh, some sort of tech billionaire so they go to question him and uh, then they come to find out that there's a conspiracy theorist person that they're watching which this is where the shades of Kong uh, Kong come in because they're like oh yeah we got this dude on watch so you know he might know something about these uh, these uh, these creations that happen, including this one new video from this person that um, you know uh, 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 that may ha- may have some um, that hasn't been uh, put out yet that may have something to do with what's going on. So yeah, this is pretty much where that's going, and this is uh, the third book of five, I believe. So this is kind of turning the corner. Um, I don't know the, what the extent of these um, these Ultraman miniseries are. I do know there's probably I think there's supposed to be another one after this one ends um, as a part of a trilogy, um, which I don't know why they couldn't have just made it into an ongoing. But hey, you know, go figure. Or maybe they will after this. We don't know. They got the license. They might as well do something with it. But for now, we just got these couple of. Um, couple of miniseries you know and I guess we'll see what happens uh, from there next up 
Wheel of Comic Books, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the comic that we should review. Seven is loving this. <laughs> oh, okay, Champions number seven. I was about to say, thankfully, we both read this. Although it would be great if we could get Rob Paulson to say it in Yakko's voice. Hmm. You know, wheel of wheel of comic books, turn, turn, turn. Right? We should reach out to him. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, doesn't hurt but a shot, right? Exactly. <clears throat> so we got all uh, right. Champions number. Oh, you want to read the uh, credits? Go ahead. Sure, I'll do it. Um. Oh wait, do I have it? No, I don't. Let me. You have it though. All right, I'll take care of it. Uh, it's written by Danny Lore with art by Luciano Vecchio, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. You can start the review while I open up my comic book. Ping, ping, ping. All right. So, yes, uh, after last uh, episode, uh, last issue, the uh, the crew decides that they are going to... Um, well, first they were going to stop and play mobile games in their costumes... <laughs> out in the open for some strange reason and I'm sitting here like why are they doing this out here like is it is it you know why are they doing this out here like that but regardless you know that that little part was kind of funny to me um but not before well not until uh snow guard comes along and, and kind of has wants to have boards with uh nova because apparently she find found out that he is going for an internship at Roxxon, which is the group's plan of action to get rid of Roxxon, is to uh, infiltrate and, uh, you know, sp- specifically with the intents of uh, taking down the the uh, social media app that uh, Roxxon has built that apparently has a lot of bugs and holes in it that uh, Riri and, and uh, I think Viv uh, have come across. So they, they get the, the, the idea to infiltrate Roxxon, and the only people who could do it is Miles and Sam. Uh, now, here's the thing that kind of caught me on this one. Now, I get it. This was a convenient way for them to be like, hey, here's what's going Here's Here's the plot of what's going on so they can, you know, take a few pages to do this. You would think they would have told Snow Guard, who's been doing her, her own protest uh, against Roxxon on the other side of this. And that, and the two kind of comes into play uh, later on in this issue. But you would think that she's being, she being a part of the champions, they would have let her in on this uh little plot of theirs as right to her. And, and i wonder right and, <clears throat> sorry i picked up on that also mm-hmm. and i wonder if they haven't pared down the active roster of the champions without really telling us i think they did actually you know and and basically you know i mean they haven't make it made it explicit like right. they you know like uh like we haven't seen it uh kind of avenger style like i'm stepping off the active roster right right Right. So it's not as official as we maybe are used to with some of the other team books. Right. But it seems as though there is a central cast of uh, champions, at least at this point. Right. I think it consists of the on-the-run champions and it's... not any of the champions that were put into the uh, the cradle re-education centers. Pretty much it's the, it's the core group. Yeah, the core the core right. original group. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
right but it's but it's definitely none of the none of the act none of the ones who were put into the re-education center so correct and they're still around like, like i said snowgar shows up but yeah they're just but they're just and bombshell right snowgar and bombshell, bombshell and, and the um, uh the younger falcon. falcon right yeah they're still around they're just not as you say actively on the team for for whatever other reason or it doesn't seem to be but yeah that that was a kind of a weird thing but at the same time it's like yeah we kind of i guess there's a reason for that whether we get into it or not but either way like you would still think that they would have at the very least like hey this if you see some you see or hear about some shit you know <laughs> this is what's going on type situation you know because like the snow guard's been out here actively pro- protesting uh uh rocks on just out publicly so right so far, right. I guess maybe they may, maybe they uh, they don't have the same level of communications as a result of uh, the whole uh, uh, Viv, you know, kind of um, you know working uh, yeah. working to a certain extent against them for a while. So maybe we yeah we don't we don't know and we may we may not ever get those answers honestly. So right. Well, one 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 thing is that there is a change in writer. I think this yes. is Danny Lore's first full-time book or was it the last issue uh last issue i think the credit may not have reflected it to be because, honest yeah because uh eve ewing came off the book on at uh five and i think she came on at six or well wait it was either five and she came on at the she had a little um you know like a little backup page oh, back at the up, end of, ah, that's right that's right that's right yeah they had a little backup page right at the end of six that's why the right. credits didn't match exactly so that's so so in a sense uh it, it can sort of it, it's it's more understandable in that sense mm-hmm. that there is a little bit of a break in the creative team so we don't necessarily see but i think it's safe to say that um you know the 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 on the run group of champions is essentially the core team you know the the way Roddy Cap put it. So, mm-hmm. um, and and the generally the ones that we recognize as the core team also. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I it, it, for whatever reason, uh, the other the other uh, kind of extended family champions are not on the group text. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> right, and we don't yeah. have corner boxes like we used to back in the day. So. What's that? So we don't have corner boxes like we do, uh, like we used to do back in the day. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, but 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 you know, in all seriousness, yeah. Apparently, the group text has been whittled down, and uh, these other uh, uh, champions are not necessarily in the decision making loop. So, um, you know, it did seem a little weird, but I I, I started to get the 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 the, the, the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you that. I thought that this issue was very well written. I yes. thought it was the, a lot of the dialogue was very snappy. I thought mm-hmm. it. I thought a lot of the comedy was well timed, yeah. and I thought the art also uh, meshed well with the the direction. Other than you know, uh, Roddy Cat picking up on the fact that they're playing a mobile game out in the open on a playground by themselves. In, in costume, costume. exactly. Uh, you like, know, when Cradle is supposed to be not actively looking for them, but there's still the Kamala's Law that's in effect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I recall correctly, you know, they wrapped, they, they, they kind of, they didn't tie a bow on it, but they said that uh, Dum Dum 
was not actively looking for them anymore. Correct. And there was was there some question of whether the law was going to stay in effect or, you know, or whether or what time it was it was going to supposedly coming off the books. Right. Right, right, right. So, so ultimately, what we have here is uh, Roxon, of course, trying to agitate things uh, covertly, and the champions get wind of it, and they try to put a stop to it. And there are some uh, super-powered um, uh, uh, people that Roxon is employing uh, to, to assist with that. But ultimately, what ends up happening is that the champions do take care of the um, the 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 covert riot that uh Roxon was trying to start at the protest mm-hmm. and we end up getting um in a roundabout way a very roundabout way um what seems to be a successful infiltration of Roxon by two members of the champions and possibly a third well one definitely the second one is trying to get in by the because I don't know wait who is the third one because we know at the end someone one of the, so there was two. the infiltration right the infiltration of the third is uh, the condition for the second one. Well, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you take it that way, yes, yeah, you're right. Although that was pretty much a surprise to to that particular oh, character. To the third one. Exactly to yes. the third one. And forgive us, folks, for speaking in such roundabout ways. We are trying not to spoil everything for you. Right now, I will say that um, the going back to the um, the uh, protest situation, some would argue that yeah, that is ripped out of some possible real world tactics. Of course, um, because you know, folks have heard that you know, uh, instigators may have been inserted at certain times in history to kind of rouse up things for whatever odd reason, and it this has just happened to be one of the times where that did not work out because uh, the chambers got wind of it before, you know, but before any damage happened, you know, but, absolutely. So rip from the headline. Pretty much. I also find it funny that uh, Kamala thinks Cap and Thor and the rest of the Avengers are, are millennials. Well, I think specifically those two are the examples that they bring up. As... No, there are, but I, but I think <laughs> the only one on the Avengers roster who is actually a, a millennial, which who probably could be on, uh, on the champions, is a Ghost Rider. Right, right, right. So right. I, find well, funny. You know, I, I just got a, I, I got a kick out of the fact that uh, the two examples that they took are the ones who are expressly not right, like t- <laughs> the two oldest members of the team. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm sitting like, how do you even like, especially as much of a fan fan girl, uh, um, superhero fan girl as Kamala is. I'm like, uh, I don't know how you would make that uh, mistake, but she she's like. You know what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> My point is... <laughs> yes, exactly. Just go with me here. Right. That's really what she's saying. Right. So, but yeah, I definitely... I, I, I got a kick out of that because, uh, yeah, you know, the, 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 the long-lived, not immortal, but definitely long-lived uh, 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 demigod and the man out of time are definitely not millennials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no... Uh, all right. Uh, but yeah, this is actually a potential click of the week candidate for me. I really enjoyed how well written this book was and uh, Vecchio's art. It definitely it's 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 influenced by um, 
like you know, that. some of the newer cartoony style. I hesitate to say um, anime and manga, but there's no, some there. I, I but it's definitely a cartoony style, but it is appealing. Because there is, um, hmm, let me see. Um, the closest analogs that I would say for anybody now would probably be something off the Cartoon Network type stuff. And I, I'm not necessarily like Gumball, but um, there's one in particular that the I style um, definitely, maybe almost a, almost kind of a Steven Universe in, in shades, but definitely with, with a tint of anime in it. Right. A noticeable tint of anime in it, because that's what I thought too. I was like, yeah, this is definitely a different it's, it's real clean it's real good looking but it's like even but you with the eyes it kind of messes you up for a second it was like yeah that is this is this is definitely a different style which you know what like the not god it just you said kind of lends itself to this to this uh book Neri. Yeah, right to to, to uh to make it more youthful looking right so it's not bad it's just like you know if you, right. you see the old art and you see up against this and it's like huh that's a, a matter of fact even in uh what issue six at the end it's like that's a stark difference <laughs> right 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 absolutely absolutely so absolutely that being the case uh we can go on to oh i didn't put this book down in the thing but uh we can go on to another book we love comic books turn 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 uh-oh. Nope, do over. I'll repeat. Yeah, matter of fact, let me take that one off the board too. So oh, crap. What? Did you, did you spin it like a wheel of fortune, then go all the way around? No. I was trying to take off one of the choices. That we had just talked about Champion, so I forgot to take that off while it was spinning, so I took right. it off and I had to do the thing. The next Batman, Second Son number 12. I don't know why I put that much emphasis on the on the that, uh, but that's fine. So, uh, this is written by John Ridley. That's Jet, that John Ridley. I don't know how many times more I'm going to say that. Which, uh, we got some news about, uh, that dude coming up in the news. Yes, we do. Uh, written by John Ridley, pencils by, uh, Travel Foreman, letters, excuse me, inks by Norm Rapmund, colors by Rex Locus, and letters by Darren Bennett. That's supposed to be Rapman, which is a good rap name, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, so Jace, basically the short story is this, because it it's not going to take me all long to say, mention this. But this is a digital first book. Uh, there's, uh, I assume at some point it's going to go uh, physical, uh, which I don't think I've seen any copies of that being the case yet. But it's out there right now. Um, Jace basically finds out his dad's connection to the Bat family. That's the crux of it. Like, um, there's a couple of little things that happen in it. Like, um, 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 Tiffany Fox, the, the youngest, uh, Fox kind of chastises Luke for chastising, uh, Jace for not doing it or for the fact that he got stabbed, uh, last issue, last, yeah, last issue. But obviously the, the family don't know what he's getting into now. But uh, Tiffany kind of chastises Luke for not doing anything to help the sister, and but sitting here being all high, high and mighty to their brother, 
who apparently Tim, who apparently Jace is the oldest brother. Um, and Luke is the younger brother, which I like. I did not know that because Luke kind of comes off as the older brother. I thought it was the other way around, but okay. I did too. Yeah, I did too. But something last last issue said that uh, said uh, pretty much said that. I'm like, huh, that's weird. Like I said, I I I also thought that Luke was the oldest uh, up until uh, that revelation. So, but um, nevertheless, that um, which all of that's being said that you know Tiffany kind of trusts us as Luke and was like tells her, tells her mom like no nah, we got to do this ourselves. So apparently she goes on a training montage. Um, uh, Luke kind of goes off and you know caresses his bat suit because you know he, at this time he's still bat wing, but you know but also he's sitting there feeling sorry for himself and then jason's snooping around fox tech and he ends up finding out like i said his uh his dad's connection to the bat family and finds um finds a bat suit in the end doesn't put it on yet and i don't think it's the one he's in, he's going to end up with because it looks like the uh it looks like the the the, the armored batman suit from uh, bat three suits or in the or dark knight or etc cetera, etc cetera. you know the one the big bulky one um, and that's where this uh, that's where this issue ends. So whatever is going to happen from here on, we don't know. I mean, this is an ongoing, so I don't think this is like over, over. Um, but it it sure kind of ended in a way that could have suggested like, well, here you go, future state. You know, you already know what happens in future state. You know, <laughs> um, you can you can draw the blank. You can draw the parallels between what happens in future state and and coming from here now. Um, and yeah, you can, well, cause yeah, cause I think there's also another conversation, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was another conversation with speaking of Lucius Fox, uh, to, I think that was the mayor or somebody about the use of Fox tech. Uh, and of course, if you've read, um, future state, you kind of get a sense of where that goes also. So look at that. This is all of this is pretty much in service of catching up, catching up with the beginnings of uh, future state. Um, whether it's going to be this is going to continue on like it is going into future state, which we are kind of already know of, or kind of skips some time to you know sometime afterwards, we we don't know. But I've been enjoying it so far. So you know, I mean, it, there's a couple of issues been kind of a little um, you know, a little slow, but also because these are digital uh, first ones, they're pretty much takes two of these to make one actual issue of a um of a physical book so you kind of kind of take that for what it is and that's that uh do we want to go into rapid fire because i don't have yes we can go rapid fire yeah because i don't have that many more books left anywho but just out of curiosity what would have been the next book Same book I just uh, that I just did. Got it. So we're gonna push on. Job. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> For me not taking the damn thing off the thing. So we're gonna go into rapid fire. Cause we ain't got time to bleed. All right. Um, you want to wrap up your books? Sure. Why not? Um, but what do I have left? One, two. I only got two books left. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I know you read this one, Amazing Spider-Man number 66. Yes. 
let's see. Oh, let me go help here, and because I don't know, for some reason, I didn't get the, uh, the the creative team for this one. Written by Nick Spencer, penciled by Mark Bagley, inks by John Dell, colors by Brian Reber, and lettering by VCs Joe Caramagna. Caramagna. Caramanga. <laughs> Caramagna! I'm not trying to butcher this man's name, but every time I see his name, I'm like, that's a dope name. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so basically, so it, from what this issue, for what this issue is apparently trying to say, we're back to the Kindred thing now, as opposed to that whole arc that just got finished and swept with the giant size from last week, which I did read before this. Um, so yeah, they kind of tied that up nice, neat into the bow. And so things have changed, uh, since that giant size issue, um, they pretty much reset Peter and Spidey in a ways because he's back in the uh, back in the, the old suit. Uh, apparently, he was double cross spoiler alert for for that giant size Spider Man. Uh, that his whole friendship with uh, Boomerang was kind of based off of a lie. Which I don't know how I feel about that. Like, like that was actually slightly well done, but but also like I mean they could have just kept it that way, you know. But I understand this is comics, and you gotta, you know, you gotta flip it up. So apparently, uh, well, what I was gonna say is, um, it's it it it's not a complete reversal, right? Well, okay, on, so on the part of Boomerang, true. because I think that's what's implied, right? Is that you know while while uh, you know it, it is definitely a betrayal of Peter and Spider-Man's trust, there is a hint that the, um, the, uh, the, the change in alliance, the, the change in allegiance or the, the change in, um, what's the D and D? Oh my gosh. The change in, um, uh, alliance, um, align, uh, alignment. No, no, no. Alignment. Yes. The change in alignment. Isn't it character alignment? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Whether you're uh, uh, evil, yeah, so, yeah, evil or, exactly. Yeah. So, so the, the 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 change of Boomerang's character alignment may not be uh, completely um, undone. You know, we, we may end up. You know, in, in, instead of being, uh, you know, uh, by, not not that it was ever really evil, evil, but he's definitely more towards neutralish. You know, maybe chaotic. Sure. I could definitely see Boomerang as an agent of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that being uh, said, yeah, um, but the re- resetting is what I'm talking about. Like, he, like I said, he's back in the, the, the old suit. Um, right. He doesn't have neither one of his roommates anymore because Randy is moving out with, uh, with uh, Beetle. Uh, and right. of course, you know, Boomerang did a reverse heel turn i don't know what what you would call that he didn't necessarily go real full heel turn but he was just like no this whole thing was kind of a lie but it was but you could also see in the end of it that's like nah some of it kind of stuck with him like he kind of feels like it seems like he kind of feel bad for for that you know Mm -hmm. when when we see him later on in the issue uh and peter doesn't have a place to live because of you know because of the uh, events that happened recently but feast is is getting fixed up so that's fine (laughs) Because <laughs> even he, even uh, Peter noticed, like, yeah, maybe I should have saved some, saved uh, some money to to get that wall fixed. Um, also, it was kind of weird uh, and funny, but interesting that um, the New Avengers slash Defenders 
happened to show up in the giant size and they're still here um they were still here uh during the course of uh this issue right to kind of wrap you know put a little bow on that uh interaction mm-hmm. so we're finally and yeah and the only other uh, thing that we get is that uh oh should we i guess it's now that it's already out of the bag should we kind of reveal what happened and I mean, you didn't necessarily talk about it in you know we talked about it in Brian Strokes last uh, last issue, right? I mean, we'll last still episode. we'll still warn everyone. Spoiler alert. Go ahead. So spoiler alert. Um, th- so this is pretty much the aftermath of like I said the giant, the giant stuff. So that stuff I already said, and the the part of the aftermath being that the kingpin brought back somebody from the from the from the dead, um, not unlike in a Dragon Ball like fashion. Um, but it wasn't who you thought it would be. Uh, it was his son, AKA the Rose, which is, um, causes a little bit more problems in Spidey's life. Mm-hmm. The Rose has been dead for some decades now, <laughs> or at least in, in real time anyway. So the fact that he's back is going to be some problems. Um, and also Kindred, um, uh, gets uh, saved by Norman, or at least who we think is Norman. Um, we're, yeah, and we get a reveal at the end of the the um, the. Um, wait, was that the main story that that was that reveal was in the the backup, or was that the backup? No, that was the main book. That was the main book. It was so there was a real reveal at the end of the the main story. Of uh, let's just say another person that we thought was in a place but is not, that may or may right. not be a place. Um, right. Well, the way we see the the way I the way I read this mm-hmm. is that the reveal is definitely kindred related. Yes, that is true. And it, and and I don't think it's Norman. No, that looks more like Harry. Exactly. I didn't want to spoil the whole thing, but yeah, spoiler alert. Right. But supposedly kindred. Is Harry so dun dun dun? Right. But right. we don't know. Or, this at, could least, be a big or at least part of Harry, right? At least right. part of Harry, right? But we do get a cool reveal that was definitely a shock. Um, one longtime Spidey supporting character coming back and yes. uh, sporting a different look. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yes. Uh, that uh, yes, that being the case, and then we get a backup story. Um, no. Nope backup story where's the backup story wait or was that giant oh that was in giant size i'm sorry yeah i'm looking around i'm, I'm literally flipping through the book like what is he talking no because i read so i read giant size and this back to back so got it, got it, got it. um so yeah i'm thinking about that backup that was but there was a backup that is also kind of basically hey let us get back to this part of uh this whole thing that seemingly was kind of hey got brought up and then no one brought it up again because you know we went into this whole other arc which I'm still not sure what that arc was supposed to be for that last arc that we just got out of with the new suit and whatnot like outside uh, I of, think it was to uh, I, I think it was to um, move or, you know I you know obviously had to deal with um, uh, uh, Randy and um, Beetle Janice Lincoln sure. Um, you know, it, it's it, it, as you said, it, it it resets Peter Parker's status quo, right? You know, it resets his his status as a, a as a, a dude with uh, no roommates. Mm-hmm. You know, 
But it feels it like unnecessary. It resets him in the old costume, right. you know? Right. So... Yeah, they were just like I think we said might have said this off uh, off air, but it was like yeah, they pretty much did that giant size so they could just clean all that up, not to not to belabor this whole that whole thing any longer than than it already had, and just to right. kind of put things back. There we go, put that thing, put things back in the box, and get right, right. back on track. Um, but yeah, you know we've been talking about this too long, so. But yeah, we do get. I was right. The the whole Robbie and and. Uh, um, tombstone truce did happen though in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, no wait, um, the Carly thing. Wait, are you sure that wasn't in the back of this? Yeah, but it's not a backup story. It's just at the end of the book. Oh, I thought that because it felt like it was presented as a backup story. Because because the book because the, the book had the reveal. And then it kind of like, well, then like an ad or something in the page or whatever, and then it kind of went into this. So I assumed it was a backup with uh, the Mary Jane, or maybe like an end credit scene or something. I don't know. Regardless, yeah, that did kind of yeah, it was it was definitely like a transition to like an end credit. You know, it was just a reveal of what was going on with this particular character, right? And John's back into his old old tricks, what mm-hmm. it sounds like. So anyway, uh, that was that. And my last book, real quickly, is. Wonder Girl number one. Make sure that's not it. yeah yeah Wonder Girl number one. So um, do, 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 do. written and art by Joel Jones, colors by Jordy Belair, letters by Clayton Cowles, which was the uh, thing I was talking about earlier, <laughs> um, with the, the 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 VC and the lettering thing. Anyway, um, so. The short stories here is that we see uh, Yara, uh, Lara Floor, who we haven't seen since, uh, you know, uh, Future State. She's coming off of a, well, she's on a plane. She's come back to Brazil. She's talking to some poor old lady's uh, uh, ear off. But then we get some godly and demigodly um, um, appearances, like Nubia, Nubia and uh, some other folks. I don't know if Nubia is the queen of Themyscira now, because this is supposed to be set like current now. So where is Hippolyta? I'm curious about. Maybe that's that's something for the Wonder Woman book. I don't know. Uh, but regardless, we see a bunch of people that kind of the way it's set up. It feels like they are noticing her um, as a thing, and they are preparing to do something about that. Or they could be something else, and it just so happened to coincide with the fact that she's coming back to uh, Brazil. But um, but the main part of it is like while she's going through what she's going through is she's on this tour of Brazil, which she has apparently hasn't been to in quite a while. We get some flashbacks of something from her youth, um, and the, uh, along with these other flashes of other people that are noticing something's amiss. Um, and Yara even says that she feels like she has uh, the eyes of the the world uh, behind her, and you see a flash of a bunch of like super folks, including you know Batman, Superman, and a whole bunch of other people uh, surrounding her, as if to say that hey, there's some going to be some attention on her for some reason. Um, but in the end, she ends up um, taking a dip with her for some strange reason with the weapon that we know she's going to get. Uh, and that's where the book ends. Some gorgeous art in here. You should definitely check it out if you're uh, if you've checked out Future State uh, and this new Wonder Woman, as, uh, well Wonder Girl at this point. But uh, 
the next Wonder Girl, Wonder Woman, uh, you may want to check this out. Like I said, the art is great. The, the story is what it is because it's like it's definitely a setup for what's going to be happening in this book. And uh, um, like I said, it it's it has only just begun, and that is it for me. All righty, so. Let me run through my books as quickly as possible. First up is Captain America number 29, written by Tanasi Coates, with art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Matt Milla, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. So uh, Tanahasi Coates' run is quickly coming to a close, but we're starting to see things. Uh, some story, uh, some story lines and plot threads that he has been developing start to wrap. We have um, the events of last issue dovetailing into this issue with uh, the Daughters of Liberty looking to um, uh, counterattack against um, the Red Skull and his daughter Cynthia and uh, Alexa Lucan. And some moves and counter moves happening and something pops up at the very end of this issue, which is surprising, but also a callback to um, a villain that um, uh, had appeared recently, had reappeared recently, but I was surprised to see it happen anyway. Uh, I definitely give Coates credit for calling upon uh, lots of Cap lore and uh, weaving it into a new story. Um, you know, I, I happen to be a fan of his run on this. I think the art has, has you know, no offense to Leonard Kirk, but I definitely don't think it was um, uh, sufficient, you know, uh, to, to really carry the, the story. That's just my opinion. But uh, I, I, I really didn't mind um, Coates' take on this. I can definitely tell what eras of cap he was drawing upon for inspiration so um next up is daredevil number 30 uh written by chip zadarsky with pencils by marco coquetto and mike hawthorne with inks by marco coquetto and adriano di benedetto colors by marcio meniz and letters by vcs clayton cowell so um we come right out of the events of last issue with uh, uh, Daredevil still in jail, but now in a hospital ward or hospital because he, you know, was um, the victim of an attack by the corrupt owner of the uh, arranged by the corrupt owner of the private prison that he's in. We also have um, uh, the progression of uh, Electra uh, and her Daredevil. Uh, identity and she seems to have taken on an apprentice of sorts she also doesn't have any um uh, problems revealing her identity to the denizens of hell's kitchen as a way of possibly uh uh instilling fear uh in in the ne'er duels of hell's kitchen uh Believe it or not, there is another child of one Wilson Fisk running around in the pages of Daredevil. So I'm um, not going to spoil the whole thing. I think it's worth picking up and catching up on Zdarsky's Daredevil run. If there's anything that Zdarsky is really tapping into, it is the stubborn nature of Matt Murdock. He is a stubborn and Catholic almost to a fault. 
So I will leave uh, you to figure out what I mean by that, but I definitely think this run on Daredevil is worth reading. Next up is Way of X number two. It's written by Cy Spurrier with art by Bob Quinn, colors by Java Tatalia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Lots of Italian names. I think of Tatalia and I think of the Godfather movies. You know, you can't, you know, he's uh he's the drug guy, you know. Um it wasn't, you know, he was the guy that was uh that Barzini was using. Oh no, that's the two Godfather references in tonight's show. Look at that. So um anyway, uh in this issue, and the reason why I'm picking this issue up, folks, this book up, because I was curious to see how um, this book would play into the idea of um, Nightcrawler possibly forming a mutant religion. We're not going down that road exactly. It's a little different from what I thought it would be, but it is definitely messing with uh, some of the... Um, notions that uh, uh, so, some of the 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 the, the faith I, faith ideals that Kurt Wagner has you know as a as a as a priest in the catholic tradition and obviously central to that is uh, are the uh the uh the the rebirth protocols on uh, on on Krakoa and that does uh, play a role here, you know, life and death and 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 the uh, mutant resurrections that happen here definitely mess with Kurt Wagner, but in a a way, it's playing out differently than what I thought. I'm willing to give this uh, another issue, maybe two, because I know that uh, next up is the um, Hellfire Gala uh, crossover. So I may give it two more issues, but I don't know if I'm so keen on the direction they're going. So, and uh, so apparently, there there are shades of other other X book stuff that's going on because I'm kind of just skimming this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that is particularly of interest is the one on the like the second the the uh, not the second page but like the third or fourth page with uh um um what's his face. Um, Cortez. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know where they're going from that, but you do, and yeah, that's just kind of weird that it, it just has to take a, this jump. Yeah, it's just a bar scene. Right, right. It's just, you know, it, it, I guess it's like, you know, uh, like you said, it, it, it's a little bit of interconnectivity with S.W.O.R.D. Mm-hmm. So. But anyway. All right, next up is Wolverine number 12. It's written by Benjamin Percy with pencils by Scott Eaton, inks by J.P. Mayer and Oren Jr., colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by V.C.'s Corey Pettit. So we continue to follow up on this uh, uh, Vampire Nation slash Dracula storyline that Wolverine is dealing with and X-Force is also dealing with. And um, uh, Omega Red proves to be useful in this issue and uh the mutants um strike back at the vampire nation in this issue but uh the the uh the battle is not yet over and there is the uh, there is um uh an uh, uh, uh an appearance by 
And it, it's a logical appearance by characters who were last seen in Ten of Swords. So that is proven interesting. Um, I actually read a couple more books. Uh, I will just talk about them very quickly. I didn't have a chance to type them. It's been a busy night, folks. Uh, Runaways, number 36, written by Rainbow Rowell, Rowell with uh, art by Andre Genolet, color, color art by D. Cuniff, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So there is some time travel shenanigans. There are some time travel shenanigans by one Gert. And there are there is basically a whole lot of teenage angst and angst and um and uh, uh romance stuff going on here revolving around Gert and the, her time travel. So um this is uh, always going to be fun but definitely um uh, not your typical superhero fair. And last but not least oh, is wait, the is Mighty that... Valkyries number 2. Is that who that's uh, supposed to be at the, on the cover? Gert? Yes, huh. on Runaways number yeah. 36. Yeah. Yes, that is Gert. Interesting. Continue. Looking fabulous and older and right. that is the key. Yeah. Like I was wondering who that was because I don't keep up with the book, so I'm like, okay, now did you that now that makes more sense. I'm like, who is this strange person on the, on the cover of this book? Well, I mean, she's recognizably Gert, I guess so, but older, right? And that's part of the story, I guess so. Yeah, okay. Uh, next up is the Mighty Valkyries number two again. Uh, there are two stories here. The Jane story is written by Jason Aaron and Torun Grumbeck. With art by Mattia Diulis, letters uh, by VCs Joe Sabino. The Runa story, that is the name of uh, the analog for uh, Tessa Thompson's um, Valkyrie character from Thor Ragnarok. It's written by Torun Grunbeck with art by Erica D'Urso and colors by Marcio Meniz. So uh, in these two stories, um, you know, which, uh, which play out, uh, in two halves of the book. The first half deals with um, a mystery that deepens with, uh, you know, I guess an explanation of the mystery that, that, that started in the last issue, the first issue of this miniseries involving um, Jane Foster's Valkyrie and a long, uh, a long lost character who is uh, still a mystery. And uh, some of the mystery is revealed here, but it's definitely still a mystery. And the uh, Runa story uh, picks up right where we left off from the last issue and, um, and, and, and carries forward um, uh, an, 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 an intergalactic story. You know, with, that deals with uh, uh, looking for someone who is a seer. So uh, that is uh, the gist of her half of the story. So uh, things are going to probably come together and intertwine in the next issue. And no Beastie Boys. Yeah, right. And that is it for me. Um, I totally forgot that uh, Star Wars uh, Bounty Hunters number 12 came out this week. And the only reason why I'm mentioning it this time before we go into Clicks of the Week is that because it is also a prelude to War of the Bounty Hunters, which is the, the Star Wars line-wide book. Um, 
So, yeah, I guess this is another wrinkle to that whole situation. But anyway, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Uh, we have one potentially hyperbolic click uh, from one of our absent um, <laughs> um, uh, hosts, and that would be The Flash 776. Oh, 77, excuse me. Wait, is that right? Hold on. Is it 776 or 770? Hold on. Are you checking comic list? Um, no, I'm just checking what we got. 770. Okay, I had it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, The Flash 770 from Dirt, which who says that... Um, while it, yeah, I've been, I was actually... I saw this and I wanted to check it out. So, apparently, Wally West is doing the Quantum Leap. Um, because he's... <laughs> See, he says in his notes, uh, Wally West gets stuck in the body of Jay Garrick in WW2, World War II, uh, and gets to be there as the Flash punches Hitler. Uh, also, the cliffhanger page at the end is one of, if one of the best in comics ever, as he says. I'm like, okay. Hey, that's enough for, to make us check it out, right? I mean, I was going to check it out before that, honestly. Because, like I said, I saw it because I was uh, looking at um, Comixology and I saw that. I was like, okay, so they got them quantum leaping now, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll check that out, I guess. Because um, I was actually kind of curious as to how he got back into the book in the first place. I know that happened a couple of issues ago. Uh, that Wally West had come back and, you know, as the Flash and what happened to whatever happened to uh, Barry. So, that kind of stuff kind of curious is curiosity we don't have one from tim um so do you have yours while you i am between two books as i mentioned earlier uh basically between champions number seven and shang chi number one but i think i'm gonna lean towards shang chi number one because it reminded me of um uh, the way of the spider and shocked me that it was from 2011, 10 whole years ago. Holy cow. 10 actual whole years ago. Yep. Which I, I kind of wonder, again, whether that was um, intentional or not, or whether it just so happens to, to coincide. I mean, obviously, this whole book is is uh, up because of, uh, you know, because of the, the movie that's shortly coming out. So. Right. But still. Uh, for myself, yeah, I don't know. It definitely, is a cross between um, Shang Chi, Shang Chi, uh, Champions, maybe Wonder Girl, but yeah, that one's probably a loose third. Um, hmm. You know what? I'm actually gonna go with uh, Shang Chi. It, it was a, a a pretty good start, even though, like I said, it does the 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 um the cover is misleading, but still, I am very curious as to uh what's about to happen or what's going to what's going to happen in this book going forward, and hopefully, it has some time to you know do what it wants to do, you know, because. Let's face it. We know this book is coming up because of the movie. Like, uh, hopefully, the movie does well, also. But hopefully, like I said, this this kind of um, gets people into reading. Chang Chi is a pretty interesting character, despite being you know born of a stereotypes. 
Right, and they're doing a they're doing the character uh, a service by redoing his supporting cast. Right. You know, we are not dealing with very many of the uh, the old tropes. We have something. Uh, you know, we've we've mentioned it before with, uh, with the uh, the the advent of five uh, of the five weapon society in the previous miniseries that led into this ongoing. Um, you know, we see a lot of the the uh, similar beats that were in uh, Brew Baker and Fraction's Iron Fist when they uh, uh, did a refresh on Iron Fist supporting cast and 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 allowed the character to have a much richer cast of characters to draw upon and who have played, you know, varying roles in the greater Marvel universe since. So that is the hope with the, uh, with the advent of these new characters in Shang-Chi. So. Right. Well, that being said, we can go on to the new section, but first an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funco link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funco through cspn.us. Do it today. <laughs> And now we get into the news. I'm not sure what a real comic book uh, reviews is. Because it's fun. Um, <laughs> cinematic news, folks. And bloop, there we go. First off. WandaVision's hit song, It Was Agatha All Along, almost had a different name. And I know it was like kind of off on a piece, but that's fine. Uh, it was almost wasn't Agatha All Along. The cast and creators behind Marvel Studios' original series WandaVision react to the viral hit performed by Agatha Harkness actress Katherine Hahn. That became a top-selling track and explains how the catchy song from Frozen duo Christian Anderson uh, Lopez and Robert Lopez almost had a different name. When Agnes Han, nosy neighbor to Wanda, we already know how that comes up. If you watch WandaVision, you already know how it happened. Or at least how it happened for that part. Matt Shekman brought them on. Like, wait, like of the millions of things that Matt did, like his stroke of genius, bringing Bobby and Christian into the mix, I can't believe, I can't imagine it being any different. WandaVision head writer uh, Jacques Schaefer told uh, EW's The Awardist, uh, I remember getting the 80s one in episode 5. I remember being together and being like, holy wow. Um, and this is basically um, talking about the, the memory that got them into, um, into that song being into existence. Um, 
So, yeah, if you want to uh, check that out, you can look at the show notes, uh, which should be uh, attached to the um, to the uh, to the to the, uh, to the uh, article to the uh, show. Next up, <laughs> guess what, ladies and gentlemen. Ms. Marvel has wrapped production for Disney+. Plus. It has concluded filming. The series wrapped up production in Thailand, where at least three episodes were shot. Holy cow! Ms. Mm-hmm. Marvel has been filming since last November, so it's likely the six-episode series will have lengthy episodes like The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The series is set to debut Ms. Marvel, played by newcomer Iman Vellani, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe as the young hero learns how to use her strange abilities. Okay. Yay. Can't wait for that. What on earth are they doing in Thailand? Jersey City's right here. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a stand-in for something else. Maybe she's going to Madripoor for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. We will find out in whenever that thing drops. Marvel hires two directors to take on its Secret Invasion series. You would think they would have had that by now. Um, by the way, R.I.P. to Charles Grodin. Uh, Marvel has hired Thomas Bazucha, uh, who, held, who helmed last year's crime thriller Let Him Go, and Ali Salim, which, by the way, is Miles spelled backwards. But, um, we won't go into the whole Miles Morales clone saga thing but right now. But anyway, who worked on Hulu's 9-11 drama The Looming Tower? Um, the Secret Invasion series centers on Fury and Talos. You already know uh, Nick Fury and Talos uh, from Captain Marvel and other parts of the uh, MCU at large. And the faction of shape-shifting Skrulls who have been infiltrating Earth for years. Uh, Of course, you know, Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn will be back, who's not apparently playing the bad guy as far as we know. In this one, the jury's still out on that, but um, and a bunch of new people, including some other folks that we know. Um, and that comes from us from the Hollywood Reporter. Next up, all righty, forgive me, folks. I was just checking on the basketball scores. Sportball, as Roddy Cat likes to say. Yes. Um, Marvel's What If Disney Plus show has gotten an updated release time frame. So, uh, according to Entertainment Weekly, the show is going to release on Disney Plus sometime in August. This will give Marvel fans something to check out during the summer months. Uh, as we've discussed before, the animated anthology will reimagine tons of events from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The main character in the series will be Uatu the Watcher, who Jeffrey Wright will voice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Next up. Very cool. Which, still weirdly, you kind of wonder if it's going to tie into that Loki stuff, which I very much doubt it will, because based on what we are now knowing about that, but we'll get into that in a second. Snake, uh, I'm going to take both of these, actually. I'm going to take the next two. That's fine. They're related. Uh, Snake Eyes motion poster released and trailer announced. But guess what? That trailer is not only announced, but it is out. So, yeah, um, there is a motion poster that came out from Paramount Pictures' uh, Twitter account, apparently. Um, uh, and also saying that, hey, the premiere of the Snake Eyes movie trailer was going to, was going to be on the MTV Music Awards. 
the MTV Awards on the 16th, which that has happened, and now we have the first Stink Eyes uh, G.I. Joe Origins trailer, which every time I hear that, it just reminds me of X-Men Origins Wolverine, and it doesn't give me good vibes. Though the trailer doesn't seem bad, so go figure. Have you, did you, did you watch it? I did. What'd you think? That's okay. I mean, and it, it this the, and I thought, and I know I saw another video about cause not to spoil it, but the, apparently something that Snake Eyes doesn't normally do is being done here. But it's an origin story, so it makes sense. Hmm. Um, but there was also another uh, uh, behind the scenes uh, video discussing that. Because I'm pretty sure there was going to be presenting well, Snake Eyes doesn't. I'm like, yes, you're right, but you know, it's an origin story, so I guess you got to get it from here to there some kind of way. Um, yeah. Next up, though. Next up, John Boyega set to reunite with Joe Cornish for Attack the Block Two. Uh, so uh, a decade, a full decade after Attack the Block achieved sci-fi cult status and launched the career of its star John Boyega, Studio Canal, Film 4, Complete Fiction Pictures, and Upper Room Productions are moving forward with Attack the Block 2 with Boyega locked to return as the character Moses. In the original, Moses mobilized his mates against a group of nasty extraterrestrials looking to take over their neighborhood. Joe Cornish is writing and directing the sequel, and he will produce with Boyega, Nira Park, um, and James Wilson, the four teamed to make the original film. The plot of the sequel remains under wraps. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to get uh, Jodie Whittaker back for this also, because she was also in it. And for those who know Doctor, your Doctor Who lore, yes, that is the current Doctor, as far as I know. Or as far as I know, she's still a Doctor. I don't know. <laughs> So it was kind of funny the the couple of people that was in this movie because there was also there was a dude that's um who plays um he's he's on he's on he, well he was on Arrow I don't know if he's still there or not but was also in this uh, was also a movie Tiger Black is actually a pretty good movie I don't know if you've seen it I have not yeah it's actually not a bad movie uh, for for the time and the budget so it was pretty good you should. Definitely should get a chance to check it out if you if you get a chance to. But next up, um, speaking of the Arrowverse, I guess the Arrowverse brings back Diggle, but not in the way you'd think. Uh, when we last saw John Diggle, David Ramsey, uh, he had regained his family and come across a mighty mysterious, uh, but all mighty familiar box with some sort of glowing green object inside. Uh, as this article postulates, it it was probably a Green Lantern ring. And that's been a tease throughout the whole Arrowverse. But apparently, uh, we've known Diggle would be returning to take a tour of the CW's other TV shows. Uh, but now there are two big twists. Speaking with uh, refreshing openness with TV Line, Ramsey talked a great deal about his Arrowverse return, which includes starring in and directing episodes of uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl, appearing in Batwoman and The Flash, and directing an episode of Lois and... Uh, excuse me, I was about to say Lois and Clark, goodness. Superman <laughs> and Lois. He'll also guest star in a later episode, just not the one he's uh, directing. Uh, most fans have assumed that the glowing green item was a Green Lantern ring, which was all but confirmed, except no one would say the phrase Green Lantern. 
and would be explored in the least grounded of the uh, Arrowverse shows, which I guess that would be Legends, because that's definitely true about that show. But Legends is such a good show. Anyway, um, that uh, see, which has gone extra galactic this season after Sarah Lance uh, accidentally freed a bunch of aliens and sent them hurling toward through this time screen. So it's basically 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, but the, in the Arrowverse. Those of you of a certain vintage should be able to catch that one. If you don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. So, but anyway, apparently uh, that's very much not the case according to Ramsey. He'll be playing a character in the Wild West and sporting a truly magnificent mustache while doing so. Not know, it is not known whether this is an ancestor of Diggle, but given this is Legends, I would be very surprised if he wasn't. This is the article's writer talking... But when modern John returns on screen, he won't be a Green Lantern because it turns out he turned down the gig. Uh, so it says here, spoiler alert, I guess, for, for, for that last um, crossover. He got his wife back, who was adopted by the Monitor. He got back his daughter, Sarah, who was originally his son, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, who was taken out of existence by Flashpoint. Oh, wait, no. It was a daughter and... Yes, right. It was the daughter first, and then it was... I don't know. The, the Arrowverse shit was weird. So regardless, he's not going to be Green Lantern, and that that's a bummer. <laughs> um, moving right uh, along. I, 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 I confess, I know nothing or very little of the Arrowverse stuff, I, so... I knew of it. I did not know this, because I think I know Arrowverse is going off the... Uh, it was going off the air, and I'm still, like, a couple of seasons behind from... I don't know, before, like, I guess whatever the crisis was. No, I think the the whatever, whoever was getting married the ones, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Barry and Iris. And I think that was like, uh, ended up being part of a crisis. Okay. But yeah. Anyway, moving right along. Next! Oh, let me make sure I don't skip a story here. Okay, so Jer- actor Jeremy Irvine is in talks to join the Green Lantern HBO Max series as the gay hero Alan Scott. The character is going to be one of many lanterns featured in the series. Um... So we know that um, uh, the revelation of Alan Scott being gay is relatively recent. Um, about the actor, though, uh, Irvine made his feature debut in 2011. Uh, again, there's that year, 2011, 10 years ago, starring in Steven Spielberg's adaptation of War Horse. The English actor played a young Pierce Brosnan in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which is... Another reason why I don't know who this is. And appeared in dramas The Professor and The Madman and The Last Full Measure. Most recently, Irvine starred in the Jason Bourne-inspired spy series Treadstone. And this all leads to one of our favorite sound effects. Here we go, Korath. Who? Thank you. (laughs) So, um, I thought Alan Scott's coming out was not... Well, I mean, I guess relatively new being like the last wait, 20, 10, 15, 20 years, maybe. No, within the last two years or three years. Really? Yeah. I thought he's been out way longer than that. No. Okay. I'm relatively recent. That's my understanding. Sure. I'll take your word for it. Because like I said, I could have sworn it's been a while. So that's why when I saw that in an article, I'm like, okay, if you say so. I mean, honestly, my DC knowledge much less green the Lantern Corps, not great. But no, the reason why I, the reason why I think it's super recent is I think they they you know they had him come out when they 
uh, restarted the multiverse, which is right after Dark Knight's Death Metal. So that's within the last two, three years. Okay. To the Googles, Roddy Cat goes. We can hear it happening now. Yeah, I pretty much am, but I don't know if it's going to... Wait. Uh, do, 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 Okay, this is more about the show and not about Anna Scott. So what are we doing? Um... He had a boyfriend who was openly gay in the Earth 2 series back in 2012. Um, back in 1940. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. Maybe it was that Earth 2 series. Uh, but regardless, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep pushing because... Oh, wait. Here we go. Let's see. No, because this is pointing to um, that uh, Inf- Infinite Frontier, and I know he's been out, uh, been out since before then. So that's dumb. Um, you know what? We're gonna push on. I was about to say, you got me. I just I, that's what I remember is the Infinite Frontier stuff. Yeah, no, he he'd been he'd been out well before now. Uh, in fact, that well. Especially because it was that it was that uh, injustice book that he was uh, out in, but again he was well he was already out well before then. That's why I was like, he's been out for years now. What are you What are you even talking about? Regardless, it's it's it, that's that's is a matter. Uh, that's a less of a matter um, that I'm pretty sure we'll find out more about come June. Next up, is that me? Yes, it is. Yeah. New Batman animated series from Bruce Tim, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves announced. Matt Reeves. DC's Dark Knight is officially headed back to the world of animated television. Warner Brothers is giving the straight to series order to Batman Cape Crusader, a new animated series that is set to debut on both HBO Max and Cartoon Network. Uh, Cape Crusader is expected to bring all the boys to the yard. That's not what it says, actually. Cape Crusader is expected to bring an all-new reimagining of the Batman mythos with the help of three powerhouse executive producers, the ones I just named. Um, the news was announced during Wednesday's Warner Media Upfronts presentation, which, yeah, that was I forgot there's probably going to be more news coming out of that. Um, including what the hell are Warner, Warner, Warner Media doing in the future uh, if you are so you know interested in it? I don't know if it's going to be as in depth as that uh, Disney uh, uh, that Disney uh, Investors Day thing, but here we go. Anyway, uh, let's see. Tom Ashim and Sam Register breaks the news of this uh, animated series, and you can check out the art key art for the series below. So you can, they're taking a little bit of expire uh, of um, you know, they're they're taking a little bit from Batman animated series here, but also going back to the forties looks like. Uh, with this art, or at least if this uh if this portrait is is to be believed, it's kind of taking some inspiration from that. I guess we'll see. But the better news is the one that's coming up next. Next. That's debatable. 
So DC has revealed its next direct-to-video animated movie, and it's apparently a big one. Uh, hyperbole, anybody? The wildly popular fighting game Injustice Gods Among Us is getting a movie adaptation. So strangely enough, neither DC nor Warner Brothers Animation made a formal announcement of the new project. Instead, its existence was revealed via a press release for Batman The Long Halloween Part 2. So among the bonus features included on that particular Blu-ray set will be a trailer for an Injustice movie. Gotta love it. So here's why so this at this is... time... Hold on. At this time, no other details are known about the Injustice movie. Though with the long Halloween Part 2 scheduled for a July 2021 release, it seems likely we'll see the Injustice drop before the end of the year. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So here's why this is not uh, hyperbole. Because... <laughs> And just as like, yes, I know Angel 70 does not play video games or specifically uh, this particular one. Um, but the story behind that one is, well, look, we've got a f- couple of years of Injustice comic books out of this because it, it was not a comic book first. It was a video game first and then the comics kind of came after that or around the same time. That being said, Batman Superman would have made a goddamn good Injustice movie. It was all the way going there. Even with, uh, with some of the stuff that uh, um, Justice League's uh, Snyder Cut, which, yes, I am sorry for bringing that name back up, but nevertheless, um, even with some of the stuff the Snyder Cut uh, put back out there, it would have been a great Injustice live-action movie if they hadn't fumbled the ball. I, um, I can pretty much guarantee it. Because... You was going to get a Batman-Superman fight. It was just going to be more of a Civil War type situation. And, uh, you know, and unfortunately, spoiler alert, somebody was going to have to die before it did happen. And they kind of teased that in the snow to quit. Nevertheless, like I said, they, they were almost going there. They just didn't. But now I guess we're getting an animated movie, which that's the weird part about this. Because, like, all you have to do is pretty much look at all the cutscenes uh, in Injustice and Injustice 2. <laughs> and you can pretty much get the whole story. In short strokes, you know. If you haven't played Injustice, uh, Gods Among Us, and you enjoy fighting games, you might enjoy that one. It's done by the good people that do uh, Mortal Kombat. Uh, But it's a slightly different uh, feel. So, anyway, that's that. I'm kind of looking forward to this, but I need to see more of how it's going to actually look. And apparently they're they're pretty much burying it with this long Halloween uh, part two thing, which I wish they would stop doing that. <laughs> like, you know, it's not that serious to, for them to be breaking up these Batman stories like this. But I guess whatever. Like, yeah, they did that with Superman, too, um, with Death of Superman. But at least that one, you understand why. Kind of. It's a cash grab. Regardless, next up. Um, John. So guess what, folks? Uh the man who is now playing uh, Lex Luthor on Supergirl, who, for some of us folks, know him as Ducky, uh, if you're of a certain vintage. Also, man... John Cryer, known for such roles as the, the aforementioned ones that I just mentioned, says he once received a test offer to play the character of Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica. And that would be the reboot one and not the 1978 one, because I think you'd be a kid. Uh, at that time. Uh, but yes. So the reboot. So so basically he says that. Um, 
Yeah, we already know about this. Uh, let's see. Ever Carradine, known for her role as Janet Stein on Marvel's Runaways, recently made a post to Twitter asking actors, what is a show or a movie you came extremely close to getting that no one would ever believe? And then they, the, this person said they tested for Will and Grace, uh, for, as Grace for Will and Grace. Um, and then John Cryer quote tweeted the post writing in order to do uh, my final network test for two and a half men's men. I had to turn down a test offer to play Gaius Baltar in, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Did he make a good choice in that? We don't know, but the dude that made play, uh, uh, Baltar was pretty damn good. So, Hey, it worked out for somebody. It worked better for both of them, I guess. He also says here in this tweet, for the record, it worked out fine. I love doing uh, Two and a Half Men, and I think Battlestar Galactic is one of the best sci-fi shows ever on TV, and that James Callis is one of the reasons why. So, there you go. John Cryer was almost galt, uh, Baltar, and that's kind of weird to think about. But he's not playing Lex Luthor, so it's working out some kind of way. Next up. Next up. Uh, Fast and Furious news. Tokyo Drift star Lucas Black opens up about his return to Fast 9. So, um, you know, it was revealed in the first trailer, in the trailers for uh, Fast 9, the newest installment in the Fast and Furious franchise, that characters from Fast, the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift uh, would be returning, one of those being Lucas Black's Sean Boswell. So, uh, uh, Sean Boswell spoke with uh, Entertainment Weekly about what it was like to finally make his way in full back to the Fast saga. Remember, he had a cameo in Fast 7, uh, which is, you know, which is to help connect the dots with Han, and he was willing to do that, but now he's back uh, in full in uh, Fast 9, and uh, he actually was a guest on the Binge podcast, uh, the EW Binge podcast, and which I listen to because uh, they're focusing on the Fast and Furious movies, so they've already had uh, Vin Diesel and Ludacris on, and uh, Sean Boswell was the third guest, so they are slowly making their way through the movies and, and, and getting um, top name guest stars, uh, 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 guest, uh, guest appearances on these uh, on these podcasts, so uh, if you are a fan of these movies, you can check that out, or you can check out uh, some of the coverage in Entertainment Weekly. But also the stars of Fast and Furious. Let me stop. That's not nice. Um, <laughs> BB Newworth is wrestler Andrea the Giant in stop motion drama Ultra City Smiths. So Broadway. Uh, so fans got a sneak peek of the, at the character voice by Broadway star BB Newworth, aka Lilith Stern and Crane from Frasier. Get your sh- straight. Uh, in the upcoming stop-motion animated series, Ultra City Smiths. Uh, a photo shared by Entertainment Weekly shows a luchadora wrestler by the name of uh, Space Bitch <laughs> flying towards the air towards New Earth's character, uh, Lady Andrea the Giant, who is lying on the ground inside the ring. Uh, and you can see that said picture right here if you're watching the video. Um... So, hey, shout out to Lilith, I guess. 
And that is it for the cinematic news. We're going to transition over to the comic book news. With uh, Alex Segura leaving Archie to join Oni Lion Forge. Um, so, yes, Alex Segura, president, previously co-president of Archie Comics, has been named Senior VP of Sales and Marketing at the Oni Lion Forge Publishing Group. Um, feels like a weird step down, but okay. Uh, an independent uh, comic book publishing house based in Portland. We all know where Oni Lion Force is if you're into comics now. Uh, and he will start on May 24th, which is coming soon. Uh, he will be responsible for Oni Lion Forge publicity, marketing, and sales efforts across all of the company's operations channels. Uh, he says, quote, uh, While it's been an amazing honor and privilege to call Riverdale my professional and creative home for over a decade, when Oni Lion Forge approached me with this opportunity, I couldn't say no to this. I added that last part. Um, said Secure in a statement. Uh, getting the chance to help amplify the ever-expanding, talented, and diverse voices at Oni is a great fit. Um, if you don't know the name of Alex Sakura, he's been on a lot of places in his time in comics, so, and I won't, will not rattle them off. But he's been in DC twice, as well as uh, you know, his more known stint at uh, Archie. So, I guess quick ass it down. Must be nice. Next up. Alright, so Star Wars announced that the Mandalorian's next mission is pinball uh starwars.com uh revealed that stern pinball's new line of pinball machines based on the mandalorian the emmy award-winning disney plus original series are available in pro premium and limited edition models all featuring original artwork on the cabinets and play fields and are filled with references and physical props inspired by the series so there's an actual adorable Grogu in there as well as a custom sculpted Razor Crest. So um, Roddy Cat, I believe, is scrolling through the article and you can see pictures of the pinball machine. There is uh, uh, there is uh, a, a, a information from the lead game artist in here. Mm -hmm. And I am looking for pricing. I presume this is going to be available for private buyers as well. Yes. I hate, I kind of hate the way they're doing this though. Like I get it, but they're also doing this, this thing the way, the same way video games are doing in that like here, here's the base game. Then here's this other version with some other little stuff in it. And then here's the, the really, really the version that you probably want with all the bells and whistles, actually in this case, literally. Um, but yeah, there's no, I don't think there is a, um, yeah, I just scroll through the whole thing. I do not see pricing. Uh, 6199 dollars MSRP for the pro. Nice. Uh, let's see, the premium is $7,799.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00.00
But yeah, there you go. It's a Mandalorian pinball thing, and boy, do I miss arcades. But boy, that's a big price. I do. I really wish I had like a split level or something that that, that I could uh, put some video games in there because I totally would. But also probably be like one or two main machines hooked up to a cabinet. Who am I kidding? Because <laughs> that's a lot of space, and if I ever had to move, no one wants to do that. Then things are mm. heavy. Next up, though. Uh, Hot Toys unveils Tony Stark Iron Man Mark V Mark V I know it's 5 but still suit up uh, figure let's see Hot Toys announces latest Tony Stark collectible figure equipped with the uh, Mark V suit from Iron Man 2 so fans can create Stark's suit up moment to battle Whiplash uh, distributed by Slideshow Collectibles Hot Toys is uh, Tony Stark Stark I was about to say Sony Stank. Uh, Deluxe collectible figure presents the Avenger from Iron Man 2 at sixth stick scale. Uh, modeled after, you know who it's modeled after. Talk on it. How much is this damn thing? Let's see. You can also see me flipping through pictures. Hot Toys, as we have said before, very detailed, very pricey. Um, so you are going to be paying a good bit for this figure, which is, as you see me scrolling through here, like I said, very detailed. Um, stands at 12.2 inches tall and allows fans to break out the Stark suitcase whenever needed. That's great. I need a price. 405 bucks and will be available for shipping between July and September 2022. But it is available for reorder. So, have at it, folks. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Let me see. No, that's right. That's right. Next up. Next up, Adult Cable gets reloaded with Al Ewing for The Last Annihilation. Um, so this is going to be a Last Annihilation tie-in from Al Ewing. The fully grown and fully gruff Adult Cable will apparently be back on the menu in the Marvel Universe this August, starring in that one-shot titled Cable Reloaded, which ties into the upcoming Last Annihilation Cosmic crossover. So it's written by Al Ewing with art from Bob Quinn. Cable Reloaded puts the older Cable on a mission to steal a special weapon from an alien world. Okay. Another one? Okay, great. New Shang-Chi ongoing uh, comic. We kind of already talked about this, so we probably don't have to actually mention this. Um, but wait, we talked about it. We're going to skip this one. Next. Um, Go ahead. Spider-Man writer admits Peter's worst romance was a mistake. I don't think I saw this, but... Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I did not see this tweet, the, the, this Twitter, uh, yeah, this tweet by uh, Dan Slott. Yeah, neither did I. And I'm usually uh, peeping stuff out. So it says here that, uh, just to kind of cut to it, um, let's see, yeah, since Cindy Moon's first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man 2014, co-created by Slot and Ubuntu of Ramos, uh, we know she would become Silk, got all that part, uh, yeah, there was definitely, which I think, I feel like we, we talked about this, uh, like last week or something, um, when we talked about Silk. Or maybe even mentioned it, but I do remember reading their 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 contos got a little physical at the beginning. Right. Um, let's see, Silk and Spider Man's content attraction and intimacy wasn't well received among its readers, even if Cindy Moon was, uh, and eventually toned down and scrapped when other writers started 
writing the character. In a recent tweet, Dan Slott wrote that he was very proud to introduce Silk to the Marvel Universe, but admitted adding the quote-unquote complication that both Cindy and Peter were attracted to each other due to their biological wiring was a bad idea and a mistake. Uh, and we can see the, the uh, part one of the tweets, of the three tweets here, which basically says, I'm proud to have co-created Silk with Humberto. Yes, I do believe adding the, the, the complication that both ends up with mutual saying, like I said, he also says that I'm very glad that Nick Lowe and Robbie Thompson decided to lose that. And again, that was a part of um, one of three tweets. He said, uh, Slot would elaborate on the tweet saying that the mistakes were all on his part and not to blame Ramos or any other creators or artists. He said he listened to the reactions from readers, most notably Asian readers, and said that he unintentionally played into racial stereotypes with the silk. Uh, he called his story making decisions ignorant and said that if he could go back in town uh, and change the storyline, he would. Slot added, Robbie Thompson and Nick Lowe would thankfully get rid of the problematic elements when they took over the character for her first ongoing series. So, yeah, that was a that was a big thing to admit to. You know, Slot's usually, um, you know, a straight up dude, or from from accounts, I guess. You know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So. The, the scene that this happening kind of Mia Culpa, you know, was was pretty good. Like I, said, I didn't see the tweet at all, uh, but the the fact that uh, this this happened was interesting. Oh, he also says here, no, okay, no mind. I said what he said already, but he does he does give an apology in this tweet about um, uh, about. All right, it's a follow up tweet. Yes, it's like a two parter. Yes, actually, well, more than that. Yeah, because it was like it was the first three parter to saying it in the first place, and then he came back with the other two parter. Um, which I guess somebody kind of asked him about it. So yeah. So yeah, there you go. Um, next up. So next up, Kang the Conqueror is going to get a definitive origin story and his own title this August. So this came out as part of uh, the August Marvel solicits, which just came out, I believe. Um, today officially, but this story is from six days ago. Mm, yeah, um, stuff starts getting cobbled together. Right. So, uh, so this August, it's time to tell the definitive origin story of uh, one of Marvel's greatest villains, Kang the Conqueror, as the as stated by the announcement. So this is, um. Looking through this, uh, here we go. So it's five issues from Star Trek Year Five writers Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Aren't they former guests of the show? That is correct. Who will make their Marvel Comics debut working with artist Carlos Magno or Magno? Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I um, I saw this and I was like, you know, Kang's um, history is a little convoluted. Yes, a little convoluted is probably a big understatement. <laughs> yes, I'm just saying, yes. Um, so I can only imagine how they're going to do that, and I wonder if they're going to get the, rid of the one tie that we know of. I doubt it, but... We'll I'm, see. I'm kind of curious as to what they're going to do with that, because, spoiler we'll alert... see, I actually... Oh, oh I'm sorry. No, Go ahead. I was going to say, spoiler alert, Kings of Richards, as in Reed... 
Right, or Nathaniel. Or Nathaniel so, in this case, but yeah, but he's related to Reed, so what I'm exactly. saying. Exactly. Supposedly a descendant, that's the, uh, that's the, that was the, uh, the story that we've understood to be the case so far. Hmm. Uh, as soon as I saw this, I was like, you know what? It might be a book to add to my pull list, because... Uh, It'd be nice to know what on earth was confusing me, you know, like, you know, it's kind of un, un, unwrap some of the, the confusing things that I've, that we've all read or I've read about Kang the Conqueror from my first exposure to the character, which I, th- I, I want to say was probably the first Secret Wars. Mm, yeah. And also it's been kind of curious as to the fact that he's been popping up here and there, sometimes as a, like a first villain arc, which that's kind of bad, but, um, right. but he's also, you know shown up in other weird sideways sideways like that Dr. Doom book for instance like he was kind of just popped up there for whatever odd reason uh you know and I was thinking well they're gonna surely they're gonna talk about what this is and they may have said something there but not nothing that was like concrete right um but yeah so hopefully maybe we'll they'll get into some of that with this Right, and it's also obviously uh, timed as uh, 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 to um, right. time timed out ahead of the character's uh, MCU debut in uh, uh, Quantum Mania. Correct. So I'm wondering if he's going to be uh, uh, Richard's there, because then you know what people are going to be like: like, why don't we have uh, Fantastic Four then? Or why wasn't this done there? Or blah blah blah, yakety schmackety. It was Agatha all along. <laughs> bum, 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 ba, da, 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 da. Okay. Exactly. Next up, um, Marvel's Winter Guard hunting White Widow uh, and the Red Guardian after the Black Widow film. So, White Widow and Red Guardian are pretty much going to have another book um, after the the movie drops, which they had a one shot before, and one or and or both of them have shown up in Black Widow's book. Uh, it's actually a oh, it's a four issue series titled The Winter Guard. Um, so no, they aren't rejoining the Russian superhero team; they're being hunted by them. Um, so after, as, as, as first reported by Sci-Fi Wire, Winter Guard writer Ryan Cady and artist Jan, uh, Basil Duell, excuse me, will find the White Widow played, White Widow and Red Guardian on the run from the Winter Guard, who have appeared recently in Jason Aaron's Avengers run. Uh, fans of the Black Widow Moon should find our Yelena, uh, Yelena Belova and Red Guardian pretty familiar though, in this cat and mouse series, because the last time I saw them, I'll just go ahead and say and just cut this short, is that, yeah, there was a one-shot with both of them that was obviously setting them up, not necessarily setting them for, for the movie, but kind of, hey, putting it out there that, hey, these people are also going to be in said movie, but not having to do with said movie. So, I'm going to assume whatever this other um, miniseries is pretty much came out of that, because she, because uh, Yelena went in and broke out, um, the Red Guardian, and he went about his own thing, uh, and they pretty much set it up with the with some sort of intention of coming back to it. It seemed like to me at the time, anyway. So I'm guessing this is it. If not, oh well. Next, next up. So, um, Black Panther. The title is returning 
with John Ridley and Juan Cabal at the helm. So the writer of 12 Days a Slave, uh, uh, 12 Years a Slave. What the hell's wrong with you, Chris Arant of uh, Newsarama? Editing, people, editing. There you go. It's not just me, folks. What the hell, y'all? <laughs> it's not just 12 me. 12 Days a Slave? Oh, Jesus. But he's got it right in the article. Oh, my gosh. So that's funny. Tackles Black Panther and the iconic Wakandan nation. So, um, so as reported by the New York Times, I didn't see this in the Times, but, you know, I haven't, I haven't actually flipped through it in, in a couple of days. Ridley and Cabal plan to tell a hybrid espionage superhero thriller that's also a love story. Uh, first of all, Black Panther is just a great character in and of himself, Ridley tells the Times. But being a young black kid growing up, every time you saw a hero that looked like you, even if their background didn't reflect his lived experience, it was just something that made you feel closer to the wish fulfillment that is intrinsic in graphic novel writing. Uh, not spoiling the story, even though it's in the article. Mm. Um... Well, I mean, you do the very worst. You could say that 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 next sentence. All right, but no, I wanted to get to the uh, uh, what we call it. So it goes on sale this August as part of the August solicitations. Make sure to add it to your pull list, folks. I don't know how to feel about this. Yes, I would like to see another Black Panther book. Great, uh, Tana, the Coast's run was, you know, started off a little slow, but it but it picked up and it was pretty good. Uh, John Ridley is also writing that uh, next Batman book that I that I spoke about earlier, and it's not bad. Um, I'm just not. I don't know. I don't know. I'll give it a try. I definitely am going to give it a try. That's not that is, that goes without saying, but still, not sure how I feel about it. So you will find out when this book comes out in August. <laughs> um, next up. I mean, and the art's going to be great because Walker Ball, you know, good shit. But um, still, not sure how I feel about this. Next up, though, uh, let's see. Transformers King Grimlock revealed among new comic n- series. Uh, get ready for more Transformers great comics. IDWS revealed their next slate of comics for, the, for late in the summer, which will be led by a brand new Transformers King Grimlock miniseries that brings together Transformers and the world of swords and magic. Because, you know, uh, Transformers and My Little Pony is not enough for them, I guess. Um, I was about to say, wasn't there an awful uh, uh, Knights of the Round Table connection in the movies? I don't know. I've never watched them. Really. Okay. Not that I watched it. I just know. I think one of them was called Last Night or something like that. There was a night. Yes. There was a definitely a night in one of the titles of one of them. Me, uh, Grimlock, don't know. But that, I mean, that Transformers, the Transformers book, um, I don't know if I want to call it a reboot, but it's definitely taking place before the, the stuff we know and definitely has kind of rebooted some things. Um, it's not bad, you know. It gets a little, uh, well, it had gotten a little uh, Game of Thrones there for a hot second, I would dare say. Now, I should, I don't know why I'm saying that as a, as a person who has not really seen much Game of Thrones, but nevertheless. Anyway, uh, IDW also revealed details on a new Transformers Shattered Glass miniseries, as well as plans for the monthly series Transformers and Transformers Beast Wars, both of which are still going strongly. Um, so, yeah. Cool. 
I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna start doing like uh, as many books as they did um, <laughs> in the initial. Well, not the initial, but the last volume because they had a bunch of books that I still haven't finished reading. Like it was a gang of junk. But nevertheless, hey, here you go. Got a Grimlock book for those Grimlock fans. Next up, which is good news, which is uh, I like this news. Me, Grimlock, doesn't know how to take this news. Star Trek The Mirror (laughs) War is set to be a year-long comic book event. IDW has announced Scott and David Tipton's 13-part epic Star Trek The Mirror War. Um, For decades, Jean-Luc Picard of Star Trek The Next Generation has represented an ideal of greatness. Uh, Beginning on Star Trek Day, September 8th, comic book and graphic novel publisher IDW invites readers to witness what the galaxy could be like at the mercy of a Captain Picard whose greatness is measured not in intelligence, authority, and empathy, but in cunning and cruelty, mm-hmm. uh, courtesy of an all-new event, Star Trek The Mirror War. Okay. So, um, it, this was inevitable. This had to have been inevitable. I'm kind of surprised it waited so long to do this. Because there were, uh, like, at least... It was a good premise. Like, they, you know, it was like, hey, Next Generation hadn't gone into the Mirror Universe. So they so they pretty much did that. And, um, let's see, it was Next Generation, and I think there was something else that, that there was a couple of crossovers with. But regardless, there was a couple of miniseries that, that happened out of this. Uh, and it was, I think, when we last left off. When I remember last leaving off, uh, Picard ended up getting the that the mirror versions of the mirror version of the Enterprise. Um, and in this u- mirror universe, the Federation was not necessarily what what we know it to be uh, in the Prime universe. Like it was kind of barely holding on. Um. Uh, to what it had, like we pretty much backed into the corner and didn't really have much. And of course, like the the, the mirror bearded whatever universe uh, folks are a little more cutthroat than the uh, the prime folks that we know and love. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the heck. And there was definitely, like I said, um, I, I did mention the crossover. So yeah, I'm I'm slightly intrigued. I'm actually not even slightly. I'm very intrigued about what this is going to do. I hope they do right by it because like, it felt like they were kind of. Like, all right, they got some good rule with the first one. Then it was like, well, here's these other couple of them that were kind of like, eh. But they were kind of setting up something, I guess. Uh, but then it stopped with the last one that really didn't. That the only thing it did is it ended up with them getting an enterprise and um, no more incursions into the Prime Universe. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Last but not least, uh, Bitterroot number 14 celebrates Juneteenth with a special cover. And if you're watching the video, you can see said cover right there. Um, the Eisner and Ringo award-winning series Bitterroot by Chuck Brown, David F. Walker, and Tamford Green will feature a special commemorative cover in order to in celebration of Juneteenth. This Bitterroot number 14 cover will feature new art by Green and will be in stores this June. Uh, if you've not heard us talking about Bitterroot, um, it's about a family of, uh, let's say, demon hunters back in Harlem Renaissance. Or not even the Renaissance, back in the days of, uh, back in Harlem times, like the 20s, I believe. I, I'm not sure if that's around the time of the Harlem Renaissance or not, so my history is terrible. Um, but regardless, 
Um, it's a great, it's, it's a great book, I think. Uh, uh, we, and of course, we've already talked about the movie that is going to be done by, uh, that's going to be directed by Regina King. That is coming. Um, so yeah, I would say check out this book if you have a, if you have a chance. If not to get this covered, but just to check it out, just in general, because it's good stuff. Uh, which is uh, the Juneteenth book will be, or the cover. And the book will both be available on Wednesday, June twenty third, which is uh, a week after uh, Juneteenth. So there you go, and that, folks, is the end of uh, the comic book news. Uh, and also the end of the show. But first, we have another ad read. No, we have a little bit of Toy oh. Corner. Oh, I'm sorry. That is right. I forgot about that. We yes. have a little bit of Toy Corner. So, uh, looking for... Oh, where did I stash? Where did I stash this? Where did I stash? Oh, my gosh. Ah. Oh, what's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't used it in a while. That's true. So... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would invite you to uh, check out my Instagram posts from earlier today, which actually would have been Thursday, May 20th, because you get a preview of what I am about to talk about here. Firstly, I posted some pictures of some displays that I have up that are behind me on the shelf. I'm not going to take them down, but I'm going to describe what are what's in these Instagram posts. They are basically some recent acquisitions, uh, some Marvel Legends acquisitions. Firstly, um, I picked up the uh, Walgreens exclusive uh, Danny Moonstar, which you can turn into Karma and uh, Wolvesbane as well. So I was able to construct... Uh, after I picked up uh, a sunspot, I was able to construct the quintessential New Mutants lineup, and I have that on display as well as pictures up on Instagram. Next up, I have I was able to get the gray-suited Black Widow, and I was finally able to put together an Uncanny X-Men 268 cover recreation with Captain America and Wolverine. But I do have stuff to show on camera. First is the Hellfire Club four figure set. Ooh. I am showing this incredible box. And uh, a former uh, guest and friend of the show, William Bruce West, um, tweeted at me in response that he picked up two of these because he can't bring himself to open up this package it is so <laughs> cool so this is a folding front cover for the box and i'm going to open it up and i'll move my mic a little bit further out of the way so that i don't hit it but watch this flip open to reveal a portrait of the four characters in the hellfire club together and individual portraits on the wings uh, of the flaps so you get the four together and you get the two and you get two uh, portraits and information on the wings of the flaps i'm doing my best to avoid the glare for the folks at home so this folds away this this group portrait folds uh uh 
uh, can be pushed out of the way. There is what looks like an envelope. It doesn't have a full, um, uh, full opening uh, envelope, but it does have the hint of a Hellfire Club invitation inside. It's not something you can pull out, but it's there. And what's cool is that you get four characters, but in a sense five, because you get four members of the Hellfire Club. You get uh, Donald Pierce. You get the White Queen, Emma Frost. You get uh, the Black King, uh, Sebastian Shaw. And you get a version of the Black Queen. The head that's on the Black Queen is Jean Grey, but you also get the alternate head of uh, 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 Celine. So you do, in effect, get five characters here because you get an alternate head for the Black Queen character. So this is a pretty cool set. Nice. I have not taken it. I've taken it out of the packaging because it is so cool. <laughs> I probably will, but I'm probably going to hold on to this packaging. It's one of those packages that just look really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's a square, because it's a rectangle, it's a little easier to save. It reminded me of how cool the four uh, San Diego Comic Con set was mm. uh, with the uh, with Jane Foster, Thor, Ulick, um, uh, Boar, the, the 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 father of Odin, and um, uh, the the unworthy Odinson. Mm. I want to say the A Force box was also kind of similar. Kind of, but it, it definitely isn't, uh, it definitely uh, didn't have like this cool, you know, like kind of cool right. theme. Right. Maybe so, but definitely, definitely worth picking up, folks. It is in stock now at Hasbro Pulse. Um, well, I'm not saying. Yep, it is pretty, pretty cool. Be happy to uh, set up a display of uh, some Dark Phoenix stuff going forward. And last but not least, on my uh, Instagram feed and my Twitter feed as well, is something that I know Roddy Cat joked with me about because he wasn't sure I was ever going to get it. And I finally uh, decided to go with the flow and pick up uh, an Attack on Titan figure. Now, I am a latecomer to Attack on Titan, the anime series. I have not read the manga yet, but... I, as a latecomer to the series, I missed out on the initial run of the toys and, and, and action figures that were released in conjunction with the release of um, the uh, anime, uh, which has now reached uh, season four, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes. I think what, season five is the one that's coming out next. next uh, I think so. Yeah. Think so, so uh, as a result of being a latecomer, I missed out on a lot of the stuff that came out, you know, with the release. Or as the the, the anime really started to pick up steam in popularity, uh, more uh, merch uh, hit the shelves. So I missed out on a lot of that stuff. Didn't really see that stuff on eBay either. So what did I do? I I searched on Amazon and found, shh, it's a bootleg. So. <laughs> It is clearly a bootleg. If you go through my Instagram account, this is a bootleg of the Figma uh, Mikasa Ackerman um, uh, Figma uh, figure. 
but it is essentially all there. It is still pretty cool. Um, you know, it has all its accessories, and you can pose it in a myriad w- uh, number of ways. Um, as all Figma uh, figures are, it is fragile. It is not to be played with. It's kind of be- meant to be posed and and set up for display. So I take full advantage of that and have Mikasa in an action pose as she is using her... Um, uh, uh, I forget what the uh, the acronym is. The uh, OEM. I know it's not the OEM gear, but it's something like that. Right. So, um, ultimately, I had a lot of fun putting this together. It did not come with instructions, but I was able to make do. Um, a couple of things didn't necessarily fit together, so I used a little bit of poster putty to make sure they stuck in place. But uh, I definitely had fun putting this together, and I like looking at it on my shelf. So this is the first of what will probably be a few anime-related uh, figures to go on display. <laughs> uh, you know. He hasn't gone full weeb yet, but we're getting him. We, we may or may not get him there. Not at all. I mean, look, I have, uh, I definitely have finished my Dragon Ball watch, hmm. my Ken Dragon Ball watch. I did not touch GT um, with a 10 foot pole, but um, I have, believe it or not, gotten two episodes into Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I shoot. I haven't done that one yet. Um okay. Wow, I'm ahead of Roddy Cat on something. So yeah, because I'm well, that's only because I I went to uh, Jujutsu Kaisen before Demon Slayer. Because I know a lot of people like uh, Demon Slayer, but I'm like, let me finish up uh, Jujutsu Kaisen first before I before I hit that one up. Um, also, uh, apparently, there's not going to be a season five. It's only like uh, part four, part. I mean, season four, part oh, two. Oh, yeah, part two. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. Part two of of season four. That's and right. That's going to be next. Yeah, next year. So, so yeah. So technically, season four is the, is going to be the last season. Right, right, right. Now it's starting to come back now because I remember everyone trying to figure out how they were going to end it in in so few episodes. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it, uh, as you said, it was going. They're they're going to uh, wrap it up over the second half of season four. Okay. Or there's going to be a movie that uh, in like ten years that is going to somehow explain some of the stuff that didn't get explained. No, with the anime movies. It happens, believe me. Like, I know. <laughs> There's a Demon Slayer movie. There is out. one that's out, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but it's only, but see, yeah, but Demon Slayer's only been one season, so I don't, that's, I think that story's supposed to be like in between uh, the season and whatever's coming next. All right. I think, from what I've from what heard. Like, I still haven't watched the show fully yet, so I don't know, but that's what it, what, from what I saw of it, that's what it seemed like. And people were chopping at the bit for for that movie, you know, going so far as to to um, you know, going to those those kind of places, you know, the the, the less respectable places, the with the low quality, you know, <laughs> the the low uh, quality uh, bootlegs, let's say, that you can get for free. Ah. So, but yeah, but I know that that, that movie is out, and I know see people who have seen it. So, tis what it is. I'll get there when I get there. Uh, so yes, we so, are. We yeah, are that is it for me for Toy Corner. Yeah, we are. Uh, 
anxiously and uh, excitedly charting uh, Agent Seventy's uh, <laughs> anime watching uh, uh, journey. It's a fun time. Yeah, you know, it's a mix of the new hotness and the foundational stuff. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that case, you got a, you got a ad read. Our last ad read of the night because it is late and we are tired. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, bootleg, uh, Attack on Titan toys, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment... That helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And you can also get masks and mask filters. Because goodness knows we're still going to need those for the next five years, probably. (laughs) Um... That being get said, shots, folks. Get your shots. Even with your shots. Exactly. But still, I'm just saying. So with that, folks, we come to the end of another episode of this here comic book chronicles. Uh, I have been your host, Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Honestly, you can pretty much find me anywhere at, uh, um, at, uh, on, at Roddy Cat. But, you know, hey. I guess the brand is strong, as the saying goes. Who even knows? You can find Agent Underscore Seventy at uh, Twitter. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on Twitter and Instagram at Agent Underscore Seventy. Like I just said, if you heard me, you heard me. Uh, PC Underscore Dirt on Twitter, Pop Culture Net on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all those umbrella sites therein. Maybe, possibly, also, I'm really going to stop saying this, but he might still be under bite under comic reviews, no vowels. Because I don't know, and I really don't feel like asking, honestly. <laughs> Who uses that stuff anymore? Everybody's got one of those things now. Heck, Twitter and Facebook's now got fleets and. He's probably on TikTok. He just hasn't admitted it to us. Probably. That would be some funny mess. Um, I would not be surprised by that either. Um, But also, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Oh, no. No, 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 no. The Click Nation on Twitter. That's V-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Also, the CB Cron, which is the Twitter account for the Combo Chronicles. You can catch Tim there. You can also catch him on theclicknation.com. You can also catch him on, and this is, I can't stress this enough, comic book resources, that CBR.com, where he's over there writing his face off. Definitely go check out the man's uh, work. We're proud of him. You know, even though we don't get to see him anymore, you know, for whatever odd reason. I, I mean, he is also, you know, uh, part parenting a child with with this significant other, so there is that. <laughs> so it's not just because of CBR, uh, but nevertheless, go over there and get a man uh, some some clicks and some reads and check his stuff out. Uh, you can find this here podcast on your podcast browser place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka okay, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network sound called Page. You could also find this here podcast on um, 
I don't think I said it, actually. I've reversed the order. CSPN.US. Do it today. That's right. That is the Coastal of the Podcast Network, in case you didn't know. Uh, you can find uh, this podcast uh, recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on uh, YouTube.com slash TheClickNation or Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles, all one word. Uh, shout out to the folks who uh, came through the, to the chat, whether you've uh, been work lurking or whatnot. What's up to my, uh, my lady friend, Cammie? How you doing? Uh, we will be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Hopefully actually on time uh, with another episode. And we still got a couple of weeks before Loki start. Starts. Right. We'll be out ahead of uh, the Memorial Day weekend, but uh, you'll probably get our show via audio podcast over the course of Memorial Day weekend. That is true, and I totally forgot that was coming up, so there you go. <laughs> and with that, folks, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. And knowing is half the battle. Nice. What's on your